Hello and welcome to the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Lindsay Behrens and I'm here with David Levy. Hey gang. This is our February preview and it looks like we're in for an exciting month. Enjoy the show. Shall we start with introductions? Let's. David. Hi, this is David Levy from fuckyassstevensonheim.tumblr.com. All right. And this is Jack. Um, I am a literary associate at the Public Theater here in New York. My views, as always, are my own. And this is Lindsay, the founder of Maximu. We are here to preview what we're excited about this February. It's February. a very promising month, I think. Yeah, Which it's is funny because I, I feel like when we set out to do this, we're like, oh, it's slow still, but nope. This There's is when everybody kind of starts to wake up and get into previews and, yeah, especially for, like, the off-Broadway theaters. Everyone's season really gets kicking into high gear in February, so. And I think because March and April are so crowded on Broadway, February is a great chance for people who want to get some press attention um, who are not Broadway to kind of seize that spotlight. Mm-hmm. And I think we benefit from that. Definitely. Do you want to start us off, David? Sure. Um, I'm going to start with something that... Uh, I actually had not heard about it until I got a postcard, so old-fashioned. Um, and it's a play called Straight, which is uh, starting at the Acorn on February 9th and running through early May. Uh, it is by Scott Elmgreen and Drew Fornarola. And I'll say this. So the, the, the description of the plot is like a little, like, 90s sex comedy. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you. Yeah. Meet Ben. Ben is a 26-year-old investment banker. Ben likes beer, sports, and Emily. And Chris. Um, oh, no! <laughs> you guys remember the movie Threesome with, like, one of the lesser Baldwin brothers? I fucking love that movie. <laughs> what a great band name, one of the lesser Baldwin brothers. That's a gorgeous phrase. Okay, so, we, so we've got a uh, um, what makes this triangle. In- so what makes this interesting to me, because obviously, like, that, that premise could go in any of a million ways is that it is a vehicle for Jake Epstein who uh, depending on your age and orientation you may remember from Beautiful the Musical or from Degrassi mm-hmm. um, and uh, I know that people really like him particularly the Degrassi fans um, and to see him in a dramatic role kind of carrying a play um, I think is a good opportunity and like look I- I'm a sucker for like a good bisexual sex comedy Yeah. so we'll see where it goes Uh I will say this, that ticket prices are $79.50, which uh, for an off-Broadway three-character show with the Acorn seems abhorrent to me. Um, There are discounts available. I mean, maybe I'm just super naive because I rarely buy full-price tickets, but, like, my goodness. Um, There are discount tickets. If you're a TDF member, you can get it for $30, which seems reasonable, $10 a character. Ten bucks a character. All right, <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure there are there are discount codes and stuff available too. But uh, that is straight at the Acorn starting February 9th. Cool, cool. I guess I'll go with uh, I'll, I'll continue on the sort of uh, rom com theme, or what at least ostensibly feels like a rom com, but I hope actually isn't. Let me explain what I'm talking about. Uh, this is a new play called Washer Dryer um, that is coming to Theater Row by way of the fabulous Mayi Theater Company. Um, this is a play, a new play written by Nandita Shinoy, who is a member of the Mayi um, Playwrights Group. Uh, Mayi, for those who don't know, is a cohort of uh, Asian and Asian American writers uh, that are some of, I mean, if you look at the roster of who's in their playgroup right now. 
it's it's a who's who of, of amazing playwrights early in their career, midway through their careers. People like Don Nien, uh, uh, A. Ray Pamatmat, uh, Mike Liu, for example, Nandita, um, uh, Jihei Park. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Uh, so I'm always very excited uh, to support them. Uh, they primarily do like I always intersect with them through like their reading series, which they kind of do throughout the year. Great way to encounter readings of new work. So I always want to support them whenever they have a production. Um, so this is coming to Theater Row, and it sounds like a pretty straightforward comedy, um, which is why I'm intrigued. Um, I too shall do a dramatic reading from the marketing blurb. <laughs> uh, this is Sonia and Michael's recent elopement in Vegas seems like a dream come true for both of them until they try living together in Sonia's Manhattan studio apartment. And then basically what happens is some secrets about uh, each of these lovers uh, come to light uh, to each other and to other characters. Um, And then they get into uh, a bit of a battle with uh, their co-op's strict board president. And uh, this is actually in the marketing blurb, mayhem ensues. <laughs> so, I love some good mayhem ensues. So again, I, I feel like I, I repeat myself a lot on this podcast when I say, like, I know how that sounds, but I have faith in this theater company and in this writer. Um, I also uh, really am intrigued to see this because uh, it's directed by one of my favorite uh, early career directors in town, and that's Benjamin Kameen, who is all over the place. Uh, he's directed a lot regionally recently, including at the Goodman in Chicago. Um, I really, really enjoy him, and I think uh, I'll be interested to see what this uh, this pairing will yield with this very straightforward-sounding story. Basically, what I'm hoping is that it subverts my expectations in frightening and, uh, and intelligent ways. That's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, so yeah, this is Washer Dryer um, via the Mayi Theater Company. Um, oh, I should also mention, uh, the cast looks pretty good, including actually Nandita Shinoi is in the play mm. as well, so I'm interested to see with that. And also Jade Wu is in the play. Um, if you don't know Jade Wu, she is an extraordinary um, actress who has been, geez, who's been doing theater in New York for like 45 years at this point, and I just adore her. So any chance I get to see her in a play too, um, is is always a good thing. So yeah, I just want to say that there's a game that me and my friends play when we're waiting in line for Shakespeare in the Park, where we have to blurb a classic show, starting with a riotous romp and ending with mayhem ensues. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Mayhem ensues is just like one of those things. I, I hope it's the kind of mayhem that I want. Um, that's that's what I'll say. So yeah, wash your dryer. Fantastic. Okay. Okay, I want to talk about a new immersive production from Third Rail Projects. This is the cohort that brought us Then She Fell. Did either of you see that? No. no. And it's been on my 2C list literally for three years. Yeah. So, it's still going? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got to do this. So Then She Fell, for those not familiar, is the Alice in Wonderland story. And for people who are familiar with my role in this podcast, it is to be the like fearful person of immersive theater. Um, and who nonetheless sees more immersive theater than the rest of us combined. Yeah. I'm always up for an adventure. Um Then She Fell is fantastic, especially if you are the type of person who tends to go to an immersive production and experience deep bouts of FOMO and find yourself always in the wrong spot at the wrong time. That is me. I hated 
the uh, sleep no more. Sleep no more. Thank you. <laughs> I hated sleep no more. I spent all <laughs> you knew my she was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> watching people put sheets on bookshelves while in the room next door there was a dramatic scene happening. In fact, my friend and I didn't realize that there was any kind of arc to the evening. We thought it was just kind of like you spent some time there and then you left. So we just went home. We didn't even stay for the conclusion, which is apparently oh, like what? a dramatic gathering in a central location. No, what I just left. I, I have not seen Sleep No More because I'm precisely afraid of that experience. Yes. Oh no, it's quite it's quite lovely. Okay, you so should do it. You gotta, it has you gotta its defenders. Yeah, <laughs> it's also you know, I, ninety bucks. It's super yeah, expensive. Fair. So the great thing about um, Then She Fell is that it is much smaller, and you are guaranteed a good experience because it is more intimate and directed. Yeah. The audience is like 20 people or something, right? Yes. Yeah. And so and you're basically led from room to room. Yes. You're not wandering around. And there are times when you're by yourself. There are times when you're in a small group. There are times you're in a larger group, but there is enough interesting avenues for each person to get a unique and interesting experience. Okay. And so the grand paradise, I think is a little bit different than that, but I think, I know that this company takes that approach to immersive theater, believing that it's not just let's let 50 people wild in a large warehouse and let them figure it out and let them compete for the best experience. Rather, Mm. let's make sure that everybody who comes has a valuable and interesting time while they're with us. And so the Grand Paradise is set in the late 80s, no, excuse me, late 70s, early 80s on a tropical beach location and i think you're basically invited to this bacchanalia sexual revolution right and then zombies good time at the beach okay no, no zombies oh shit not that i'm aware that's of what, okay that's where i thought this was going nope okay and you just totally spoiled it for her <laughs> <laughs> um this is a company that in, integrates, they're really a dance company, but mm. they do these dance productions in, in an immersive environment. So there's things to drink, things to go through, things cool. to witness. And um, I'm very, very excited for this show. It is not cheap. Yeah. Tickets are, you know, 100 to, I think there's a, there's a premium ticket for $150. I don't know what that gets you. And if I know anything about this type of show, it's like that gets you in the door. And if you want to drink... Then there, it's well, like a whole other thing, It's a thing, combination. Right? I, I, I believe they're still waiting on their liquor license, but when they get that, there will be drinks for sale. But there are also yeah, yeah. things served to the audience I throughout. I see. A part of this part And of you're the advised thing. if you do not drink alcohol, then do not accept anything given to you in the context of the performance. Got it. Um, I, you know, this company, I think, is really fantastic at doing these kinds of immersive performances if you have a hundred dollars to spend on a performance this versus that um that what's it called sleep no more sleep no more i highly recommend this over that yeah yeah oh and it's in uh bushwick off the jefferson oh, stop by the bushwick it. star <laughs> wait a minute where in bushwick is this off the jefferson stop yeah at a, at a at a on troutman oh really yeah okay that's like right by my okay that's interesting yeah all right what kind of a waiver does the audience have to sign before going No to waiver. Interesting. You're no. just given a very long list of instructions. Wear comfortable shoes. Understand there will be nudity in adult situations. You will be given some th- you will be given liquids at various times. If you <laughs> do not drink alcohol, do not accept them. Like it, it comes with a very long instruction sheet. Huh. 
I've never been to one of these kinds of shows. The closest is probably Here's Li- Here Lies Love, mm-hmm. uh, where there was liquor for sale the second time I went. Um, oh, but that's very tame because you're all in one right. room and but it's that, like a dance club kind yeah. of thing. Right. And so like I, I, I don't know. I'm I, I am just in general fearful of the kind of show where you spend a lot of money and might not get to see stuff. Could not agree more. That is exactly my concern, yeah. and that is something that I think this theater company takes pains to address. They take care that they know that the people who are coming to this paid a lot of money, and so they want every person to have a good individual experience. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I would say I recommend this, although this is just a preview, so I'm not giving up my full recommendation yet. But um, have, have you seen it yet? I have. Oh, okay. I would recommend it. Okay. <laughs> I'm cutting right, that part all- out. <laughs> But you know there are no zombies. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. that's fine. Or I right. bought a massage at it. <laughs> Did he pay for the massage? Is that something? He, that, no, that's I don't awesome. know. If, I don't know if. Was there a happy ending? I don't know. I don't know the answers to any of these questions. Okay, yeah, these are the questions out. that we have. Um, that's what the premium ticket gets you. That's yeah. I don't know. The happy ending. Happy. <laughs> 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 I swear, that would justify a lot of the ticket costs of Broadway and Off-Broadway if there was, you know, just a little something at the end. Well, it did. After I went to the show, uh, the, let's digress <laughs> for a moment. Um, oh, please, let's. I did consider the the sort of, I didn't see that one sex immersive show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Queen no. of the Night. Oh, sure. Yeah, Queen of the Night. <laughs> I, I, I never heard it described yeah. as a sex immersive show. I, I, I think sounded, of that as like underground dinner theater, but okay. Yeah. It sounded horrible. It sounded terrible. Right. Like three hundred dollars, like, you get like fog machines and a piece of fish or something, and somebody nuzzles in your. Neck. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, right. I forgot about that part. But it did. There is. I did think about like how you can like start to like cross some pretty interesting boundaries. Yeah, we're all adults. <laughs> we're all looking for love. I know. Have <laughs> it's you tough ever, out there. It, you <laughs> get ever, it where you can. Have you ever been to a strip club? Yes. Yeah. I mean, like that's just immersive theater. Oh, absolutely. That's why I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This show has a this show. So the show I want to talk about is scores on <laughs> this show. Oh my God, a, we're, we're, a New York this, institution for twenty five years. Storytelling episode. Our next special episode should be strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> that would be delightful. I actually love that idea. I think that is a fantastic idea, and I think it should be done. But yeah. I have to say, there was a moment at this show where I felt like I was at a strip club, All not right. in the like totally erotic sense but in the sense that i felt special oh i, I felt see. like something had been done because i was special somebody gave and you I a was dance like basically yeah okay. and i was like oh this is how i felt at a strip club no matter how <laughs> how much i tried to intellectualize the experience but you didn't this have person, to keep feeding them 20s no <laughs> this person is a professional performer they know how to make me feel like it's spe- it's about me understood yeah right? I say, this week on twitter i was talking to kevin labson of the pit about how they need a champagne room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this part's going to be hard to edit. Okay. Um, David, you do go next. Uh, let's go back to Theater Row with Broadway and the Bard, which is at the Lion Theater. Uh, we have so many Theater Row perfections on this preview. Yeah. That's well, a lot. They turn over a lot. Yeah. So when we're doing a, you know. I know, but you, you can't know get the tickets to Naked Boys singing. I don't think I've ever seen anything there I liked. Really? Mm. Oh. Yeah. I've seen plenty there I liked. Yeah. What about Maximum Favorite? Thomas Bradshaw's jizz play, whatever the fuck it was called. <laughs> Thomas Bradshaw's Intimacy. jizz play. Intimacy. Jesus. My point precisely. <laughs> like okay, Intimacy. anyway, sorry I interrupted. Broadway and the Bard is Len Carey's <laughs> one-man show, which, uh, 
to be fair, I want to talk about because I am a little bit perplexed by it, and it could either be delightful or terrible, and there's probably no middle ground. Wow, <laughs> all right. David brought, like, Roll ironic recommendations. <laughs> yeah. No, but the other two shows I'm going to talk about are things that I think are going to be We're talking about Phantom of the great. Opera, this new <laughs> musical I heard about. I Phantom is the only... Um, Phantom plays in the only Broadway theater in which I have not yet seen the show. Um, so if someone wants to give me a free ticket, I would oh, love seriously? to be inside the Majestic. Have you never seen? I've seen Phantom on the Road. Oh, okay. I'm waiting because I don't care to see it with the current cast. Ooh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Broadway and the Bard is Len Carreyou's one-man show. Uh, Len Carreyou, uh, in my world, is most famous as the original Sweeney Todd. He was in the original cast of A Little Night Music and Applause. Mm. Uh, more recently, he's in the movie Spotlight. He plays um, uh, Cardinal Law. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's on one of those lawyer shows that I don't watch on TV. Sure. Um, anyway, you know, great actor uh, in the sort of last part of his career now. Um, he's doing this one-man show that's sort of uh, the blossoming of an idea he had. The year that he was in Applause, which was a musical version of All About Eve, uh, that same season he was also in Henry V. And he was like, isn't this a weird career that I have where I can do these two things in the same season? Uh, and started to think about the connections between his Broadway musical career and his Shakespearean career and has created a one-man show that brings together um, some of his favorite Shakespeare, some of his favorite musical stuff. Um, it is directed and put together by Barry Kleinbord, who is sort of the um, the expert at this kind of show. He He's really good at um, crafting like personality shows and small reviews. So that I think is promising as far as I know, it's just, uh, just Len and his music director, Mark Janis. Um, it's, you know, an 80 minute show, if nothing else, getting to hear Len carry you sing, even at this age, like I've had that experience at 54 below. Like it's great. Like being up close and personal with Sweeney Todd like that is super cool. I don't know that the $72 ticket price is something that I would wholeheartedly recommend for this show. Um, but there are discounts available. Uh, it's also, it's on TBF and there are other places. Um, and you know, it's particularly if you're the kind of person who likes to sort of check off having seen lots of, um, either famous actors or actors who created important roles. Uh, this is a great way to do that. Um, so I don't know that it's going to be like the best one man show of the year, but I think it's certainly going to be interesting and entertaining. Okay. Great. Jack. Lindsay's uh, like, not in a million years, you could not well, drag me to that. First, first of all, I like, I like any recommendation that includes, look, guys, it's an 80-minute show. I mean, look, we're all looking for something to do. No, look, I mean. If you can't get into the jizz show, absolutely get a ticket to this. No, in the same way that Maurice Hines just did his not quite oh, one Tap man show, Life, yeah. Tap Your Life, which it's not a show that I would have spent 80 bucks for, but at the discounted ticket price that I went for, it was great to like finally get to see Maurice Hines on stage totally. and hear him sing some of his famous songs, tell some stories. Like, why not? Why the like, hell these not? These people aren't with us forever. It's live theater. Like, I like that sort of thing. <laughs> this guy's on the verge of death. See him now no, or forever. No, Honestly, no, 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 but there is something noble in doing that. I, I It's the reason, only reason I saw The Gin Game on Broadway. Sure. I had no interest in seeing The Gin Game on Broadway, except that I had never seen 
uh, uh, fucking James Earl Jones Jones perform live. And I was like, I'm not going to get that many chances to to see this. So this is my chance. No, no. And we're going to go. You know, so there is. It's a gamble. Sometimes you end up spending $150 to drive in from out of town to see Angela Lansbury in Deuce. And you regret that for the rest of your days. (laughs) But you saw Angela Lansbury on stage, yes, and, that and is... then she came back in three more better shows. Yeah, because because she is eternal, and right. yeah, she ain't going nowhere. She's like she's a like Queen Elizabeth. She's just never going anywhere. Um, okay, shall we continue? Let's, please. Um, I want to talk about a show that I'm so delighted is finally coming to New York. Um, it is by a Max New podcast favorite, uh, young man Dan O'Brien, and his show, The Body of an American, um, which has been kicking around the country for a while. Uh, full disclosure, it, it was actually, we did a public reading of it at uh, the Public Theater several years ago in our New Work Now series. Um, so this show is uh, one that I absolutely adore. It's a two-hander that is um, in, in which Dan, who is a playwright and poet and librettist, um, writes about uh, his experience meeting with uh, Paul Watson, who is the Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, war uh, reporter and photographer, and uh, basically goes seeking Paul. Uh, Dan, uh, the story is that Dan goes seeking Paul to sort of uh, add a fascination with him, wanting to write about him, wanting to meet him, and when they meet each other, they wind up unpacking each of their individual demons as uh, revealed through the course of their friendship. Um, they travel sort of all over the world, uh, mostly primarily in frigid Canada. Um, and the reason I love this play is uh, because Dan is not a playwright playwright. Um, he is primarily a poet. Um, yet he's a Guggenheim fellow. Uh, this play did, in fact, win uh, the inaugural Edward M. Kennedy Prize for Drama, which it shared with Robert Jenkins all the way uh, in its inaugural year. So, you know, th- there's some bona fides behind this, but Dan O'Brien in general is more of a poet. And what I like about how this play reads is that it feels like this combination of drama, poetry, and journalism that it creates this cocktail that is unlike anything I've ever seen, I've ever read on a page, and I imagine it's going to be unlike anything I've ever seen on a stage. Um, so this is coming to primary stages, and um, it's uh, it's a two-hander that, in addition to the wonderful things I've already said about the script, uh, two of my favorite actors are going to be starring um, as the, the two real-life men of Michael Kumsty and Michael Crane, um, and I'm delighted to see them play off of each other. Um, you know, Dan O'Brien is someone that I feel like there's just a lot of ways to support um, his work. I think that this play has a lot of, uh, in addition to beautiful writing, it just feels like it's an urgent discussion of the experience of being a war reporter, the idea of of, of negotiating the objectivity required, uh, and the sort of you know the callousness required sometimes to be a war journalist, but also the humanity that processes what one has seen um, in the theater of war. I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff going on uh, with this play that I think uh, is going to be very moving and delightful for um, for folks. So yeah. Um, and this is going to be, um, by the way, Cherry, uh, Cherry Lane, um, right. Primary Stages. Produced is staging by Primary Stages at, at Cherry, Cherry Lane. Lane. Yeah. Uh, the tickets are in the 70 to $80 range. I did see a Theater Mania discount yeah. for them that put the ticket in the 35 to 40 range. Yeah, shows at the, at the Cherry Lane also tend to find their way to a lot of discount sites. I always see Cherry Lane shows on TDF, for example. So Although they're... I think this one is selling strongly, oh, is, so I yeah. don't know if it will be on TDF. There's just a really nice piece in the Times about it, too, a previous mm-hmm. piece. Yes, the same 
production that is coming here to New York was just in Hartford. Right. And I studiously avoided reviews of that, but the buzz was very positive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should I should say just for the sake of whatever that this is a co-production between them and, and Primary Stages. So, yeah. Um, yeah, ju- it just had that run. I guess it, it literally ended like last week. I think that's right. Uh, and they've got like a, a little t- bit of time to turn over. Anyway, and I know that we all follow Dan on Twitter and we adore him very much. And, and He's uh, awesome on Twitter. Yeah. And his wonderful wife, Jessica St. Clair. Love her too. Love her too. Okay, I want to talk about Familiar, which is a new play coming to Playwrights Horizons. It is by the brilliant Denai Guerrera, who we He's know having a moment. from Yes, we know from that zombie show. <laughs> what's it called? Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, and also her play Eclipsed coming to Broadway. Yes, indeed. Um this is directed by Rebecca Teichman, mm-hmm. and it is a family drama set in Minnesota. A Zimbabwean family is preparing for the wedding of their eldest daughter, and chaos ensues. <laughs> mayhem. <laughs> no. Oh, mayhem. No. Mayhem. Not a lot of mayhem in Denise plays, but, but chaos, yes. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know what the difference between those two things is, but... You've seen Eclipse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. um you know, I think I am just excited that we have another play by this playwright who is just taking off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fantastic cover story about her in American Theater Magazine where someone compares her to Tracy Lutz, which I think is such a fascinating comparison. Ooh. Such a strong acting background, such a strong, successful acting career, but also a tremendous writer who is proceeding to get you know production after production of her shows i'm super excited about that i'm very excited that we have these two plays running in tandem Mm -hmm. one on broadway and one at playwrights horizons in an earlier stage of development um to and i think they're very different you know one is set in liberia one is set in a war zone about this group of women and the struggles that they are faced with um and then one is this family drama set in home in minnesota i just think it's going to be fascinating to be able to see these two things uh in tandem the thing that i i feel like it's really interesting to compare denia tracy letts because they are writers that i think that are alive now that have broken the mold about what it means to be an actor turned playwright Mm -hmm. because it feels like you know every time you hear like oh an actor wrote a play you're like oh Oh, i bet they wrote it they wrote it about their mom or something (laughs) and they're like a one-trick pony and then please go back to acting on the tv or on the stage where you belong and vice versa and vice versa but i think what what Tracy, of course, has already proven is that, I mean, he, his the, the breadth of the kind of work that he writes is extraordinary. Deny, um, you know, with just a few plays under her belt is already proving that, too. Mm-hmm. These two plays could not be more different. They also could not be more exquisite, in my opinion. Oh, so you have exposure to Familiar? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, I think that what I really appreciate about Deny is her, um, not only her, her versatility, uh, with writing, but also the fact that she is this incredible writer for female roles. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the more that people, the the more she starts to write for theater and and actually, you know, the more she probably will start to write, um, for television and film, I think with that is going to come these incredible opportunities, um, for, uh, for actresses, particularly actresses of color. Mm -hmm. And she, she strikes me as a standard bearer in that way. Like she is going to become this leader in the field that I, I, you know, could not happen to a more talented or a nicer person than Denai Guerrera. Um, you know, and meanwhile, her acting career is just going to keep blowing up too. She just got cast as, as, uh, Tupac's Tupac's mother, mother, which is extraordinary casting. Um, yeah, 
we miss her around the public and i just it, it, she's gonna take over the world and she's it, too big for you now so. yeah really yeah that's it man <laughs> yeah remember when all right david all right we're gonna talk about the robber bridegroom which is a revival coming to the roundabouts off-broadway space the laura pels uh february 18th to may 29th with a march 13th opening this is a musical from the 70s that actually played broadway twice back to back it played a very limited engagement in 1975 which earned Patti LuPone her first Tony nomination, then went on a national tour, came back with a different cast in 1976, won Mary Bostwick a Tony. Um, it is by Alfred Urey, who you might know from Driving Miss Daisy or from Parade. Uh, music by Robert Waldman, who I forgot to look up, but is not a name I'm super familiar with. It's got a sort of bluegrassy tone. It takes place in Mississippi. It's kind of a Robin Hood story. Guys, this is a fucked up story. I am so curious how they're going to handle it in 2016. Okay. So Stephen Pasquale plays the robber bridegroom, who is the Robin Hood type character, um, who falls in love with the daughter of the wealthy man that he's trying to scam in his alter ego, the bandit, where he covers his face with a, a like a makeup made of berries and he won't reveal his true identity to her. And there's like a whole plot point about how even though she falls in love with him, like he prefers love that he takes instead of that's offered to him and I like right yeah so I don't know how if they're gonna do some gentle rewriting or if we're just supposed to like go along with that I don't know it feels a little Phantom of the Opera because like the rest of the story is about her trying to unmask him um it's it's a dark show obviously um there's like a bunch of people die and uh yeah uh I've never I've never seen it I believe I read it, although I just had to reread the plot synopsis, and I don't remember a lot of those plot points, but boy, uh, it has some lovely songs. Uh, Sleepy Man is the one that you probably have heard if you have heard any of it, uh, because it became a little bit of a cabaret favorite. Um, But the cast for the show, uh, in addition to Stephen Pasquale, we have Leslie Kritzer and uh, Anna O'Reilly, who you might remember from the movie The Help. She was one of the whiny white girls. Um, Yep. One of those. This is this is a show when it was announced. Like musical fans were really excited because it's a show that doesn't get done well, and people love the album and don't know the story. Um, And I'm really curious how it's going to go over. Oh, it's being directed by Alex Timbers. That's the other important part to mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited to see him back on the musicals board. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm going in with an open mind and hoping that. that the things that are beautiful about this show are where they focus and that they find ways to make the horrifying things not. (laughs) Yeah. There's something interesting about like preparing to see a show that you like, you read all the facts about it and you just kind of go, how the hell are they going to pull that off? I mean, look, we were joking about Phantom of the Opera earlier. I don't remember if that was on, on mic or not, but Mm. uh, you know, that's a show that has, is essentially about a rapist um, that has been, you know, a worldwide beloved hit for 28 years, yeah. years. So like, uh, clearly there are ways to at least make people not notice. <laughs> um, it's not, that musical is not renowned as the world famous musical about a rapist. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yet, you know, when you tickets real. aren't cheap though. No, they're $99. And I'm not sure that we're going to find discounts for this roundabout, uh, off Broadway shows. Sometimes, just sell really well when they're yeah. popular. And this one certainly has all the ingredients to be popular. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if I how I'm going to do the math on this one. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really, know that this is a show that I think you necessarily need. to Well, see. I like Alex Timbers. I right. like Stephen Pasquale a lot. I would love to see them work together. Um, your description of the pr- production or the plot is less interesting. The cost is pretty high. Hmm. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, the humans was in this space last, and uh, people who who spent $99 to see the humans and got to see it in this intimate space up close probably feel pretty good now that people are spending a lot more than that to see it in a bigger theater on Broadway. Definitely. So, you know, it's it's all about... So, part, I mean, for me anyway, part of the calculus is is about the value for the dollar, right? And, like, yeah. that's what I was joking about straight and, like, per character, how much money you're spending. Right. But, you know, this is an elaborate, full-cast musical by a company that is a little spendy on their shows. And I think yeah. that... That justifies the ticket price in a way that, um, compared to the seventy or eighty dollars for like Len Carey's one man show, is like right. Those extra twenty dollars go a long way on Robert Bridegroom. Yep. All right. Interesting. Hard to comparison shop in that way, but yes. sometimes you got to. Mm-hmm. All right, Jack. All right. Um, I'm going to talk about something that I know very little about, and the reason I'm going to talk about it... That's what I always do. <laughs> ...is because... No, and also, like, I don't know if I'm going to see this, but I, I want... I'm, not, I'm, gonna, I'm going to talk about a show that I'm not excited about, but that I want to reckon with. And that is uh, the brand new uh, piece by legendary performing arts troupe Radio Hole. It is called Tarzana. Now, Radio Hole, for those who don't know, and until very recently I was one of those people, um, is a sort of classic experimental, like legendary New York experimental theater troupe that is known for a couple of things, uh, one of which is their sort of multimedia discipline. There's, I mean, name an art form, and they have woven it into a performance of theirs at some point. Everything from film projection to live art making uh, to, uh, you know, uh, 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 improvisational music. Yeah. Oh, was that? Manicured nail art. Manicured nail art, let's say. Why not? The other thing they're known for is their absolutely... <laughs> their their dedication to the disgusting arts. They are known for shows that have a lot of the grotesque, a lot of blood, a lot of very confrontational um, <laughs> uh, ways of interacting with its audience, um, both sort of mild and 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 very. Um, I guess I would say Lindsay Barron's blanching. Uh, I'm cringing because I agreed to go see this, and now I'm really. It's going to be horrifying. So oh um, they're they are they sound like ghouls. Like every description I've read of a radio whole show, I just am sitting there going, like, how are they getting away with this? Hell is empty, and all the devils are here. Like this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so it sounds aggressively terrifying. This is why I'm reckoning with this. So <laughs> let's. Let's let's talk a little bit about what this show is. So this is uh, Radio Hole is collaborating with um, screenwriter Jason Grote, um, who has done a lot of work with uh, uh, well-known shows like Mad Men, for example. And it is a piece of performance art that is very uh, heavily influenced by the New York punk scene of the '70s and '80s, by uh, uh, filmmakers like David Lynch. Uh, there will be lots of blood. There will be lots of references to superheroes as well as to Robespierre. Um, there will be karaoke. There will be... Um, uh, can we just, like, have a moratorium on kar- karaoke in theater for, like... All right. After this show, yes. So, so... <laughs> I am totally in support of that. So I just here's feel like it, it was cute and now it's become, like, I don't know, it's everywhere and... Just... 
there is, you know, a frequent a frequent topic on this podcast are are theater companies that are aggressive, that are immersive, that do challenge the boundaries between performer and audience. And this sounds like the most like in your face theater company slash performance I, I've ever encountered. Now, it's worth saying, this is going to be, um, the Radio Hall had a home in Brooklyn, I believe, for a long time. Uh, they were evicted from that a couple years ago. So this is going to be I think just a few performances, February 11th to the 14th, at the Performing Garage on Wooster Street in Lower Manhattan. Um, they uh, they haven't had a show in New York in, in, a, in a couple of years, so those who are into this kind of thing are very, very excited. I don't know. I mean, I have my list of things that I'm squeamish about in the theater. Radio Hole does all of them, and I'm wondering what this experience will be like. So for those not of the faint of heart, for those who like a little bit of bedlam, a little bit of pandemonium in their art, this kind of sounds like it. I'm doing it. I'm popping a clonopin. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like the theatrical equivalent of like Jackson Pollock if Jackson Pollock painted live and then punched you in the face. <laughs> And then bled on you. Oh, like, that's what this sounds like. Oh, okay. And they're like, how does, how does that not intrigue you? Most of the people listening are going to be like, no, nah, I'm going to pass on that. But this exists. And more. I just want you all to know that this exists more than anything else. I don't know what tickets cost. It's going to be worth it, whatever it is, um, because you're going to get an experience. Um, so, yeah, Radio Hole, Tarzana, check it out. If it doesn't end with me getting punched in the face, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> By the exhumed body of Jackson Pollock. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you know, you can also come spend... Give me a hundred dollars, not like I don't know, piss on your face while I sing karaoke or whatever. It yeah, is but yeah, maybe. but radio holes profet they're professionals. Yeah. This is if this is pay, different. If you pay me a hundred dollars, that makes me a professional. I suppose that's true, yeah. No, don't belittle this work, David. No. This is a very respected group that yeah. does really interesting stuff. I'm a very respected group that does very interesting stuff. You are neither of those things. I don't know what you're talking you about. You are neither of those things. Okay, yeah. well anyway, so there's sandwiched that. between all of these interesting descriptions, I brought a a family drama for my last recommendation. I'm bringing a family drama for this recommendation. Um, however, this one is very different. It's by one of my favorite theater companies in New York City, The Amoralists, hey. who I have spoken about frequently on this production. Now, The Amoralists have undergone some transformation recently where they have parted ways with a couple of their founders, including their resident playwright. So this is uh, in a slightly different direction. The Amoralists are known for... Um, the the punch you in the face but in a respected drama kind of way they so are balls to the wall hysteria chaos on stage and are responsible for one of my favorite moments ever in the theater in their production of the lower Pi- the pied pipers of the lower east side mm. has this moment the greatest stage entrance ever wow yeah it's so ever so okay good but this this plays in a little bit different direction because it's by Emily Schwend, who is a playwright yes. that we have talked about. Um, Nicole and I saw a production of hers up at Second Stage Uptown, and her plays are are dramas that are deep character studies, um, examining people in moments in life that they are struggling. And this one is about a woman who has two jobs, three kids, and an eight year old birthday party to plan and you know chaos ensues i mean that's not actually what this says but i get the sense that that's what's happening here um the cast includes some amoralist regulars including james Couts, who was one of the founders and vanessa vash or vache i'm not sure how she pronounces her name but she has a long list of credits um with the amoralist company and then it's directed by jay stoll 
who has been uh, directing a lot of stuff for the Amoralists, but also elsewhere around the city. Um, actually, I did an interview with James Couts when he directed a play by the Amoralists that ran in rep with another play by that. Jay Stoll. So if you want to hear these two um, excellent performers and directors talk a little more about their careers and, and their paths... Um, I'll, I'll try to remember to post a link to that interview because I think they're both fantastic. So this is playing at the Rattlestick, and tickets are $18, although they're also $9 on TDF, which I believe you do not need to be a TDF member to take advantage of those discounts. Right. So I'm definitely going to see this. I hope you do too because they're a fantastic theater company that's worth keeping track of in the city. Cool. Great. One more, David? One more. Um, it is encore season, which, as longtime listeners know, is one of my favorite New York City institutions. Encore's Great American Musicals in Concert has been going on for over 20 years at City Center. This year, a uh, very interesting season. We've got Cabin in the Sky, which will be followed by 1776, and then Do I Hear Waltz. Cabin in the Sky has long been on my encore's wish list. In fact, I found like an old blog post I had written with my encore's wish list, and this was at the top. So I feel very excited to finally see it on stage. It is a musical from 1940 that has an all-black cast. You might be familiar with it from Vincent Minnelli's film version, uh, which is pretty famous, although... Uh, had a few changes to it, including some additional songs, which are not in the stage version. And this is just, um, it's, it's sort of a fable about uh, this guy who he's described as a charming ne'er-do-well. Uh, who's, you know, like uh, he has a, a loving wife who's always sort of shaking her head at him because he's a gambler and running around with loose women. And uh, he, he ends up dying in a saloon brawl and then uh, gets brought before the heavenly tribunal and has to prove that he is worthy of heaven. So he gets sent back to earth to stay true to his wife uh, while being tempted by sweet Georgia Brown. Um, it's it's super charming. It is got some really classic, classic songs. Taking a Chance on Love is, is the big hit from the show. The cast that they've assembled is really outstanding. We've got Norm Lewis, we've got Chuck Cooper, we've got LaShawns, we've got Carly Hughes, we've got Michael Potts. Like it's it's a really Damn. high caliber list of people uh, singing. The music's Vernon Duke, uh, lyrics by John Latouche. Like this is this is not some second class thing that they're dusting off. This is a, a top notch show that I don't think has been seen in New York and uh, like since there was an off Broadway production in the '60s. So hearing mm -hmm. it. With a full orchestra, probably for the first time since 1940. Very exciting. It's directed by Ruben Santiago Hudson, who uh, has a tremendous career on his own as an actor and a playwright and a director. Um, so I think they were really smart to bring him in to look at it, both from the eyes of a black man, because it was written by white people, um, and as, uh, you know, a giving it contemporary eyes to you know, see what we've got and see how it plays today. And, uh, I, I'm just, I'm really excited because the music is glorious. It's going to be great to hear these voices with that orchestra, but also super curious to see what the original version looks like to the extent that they're presenting the original version, um, and how it'll play for a 2016 audience. Great. And city center on course tickets, 
run the full gamut. There are $35 tickets up in the balcony, $125 tickets in the orchestra and front mez. There is a discount that you can find like on Theater Mania and Broadway Box. Um, I will say that even though City Center is pretty huge, I've always been happy. I, for this, for encores, I tend to sit in the mez, but I have sat in the balcony, and even though it's far away, the sound ever since they did their renovation a few years ago has been great. Um, so it's worth it for this, which is essentially a concert anyway, to go and and hear even from the cheap seats. Awesome. Great. And one more, Jack? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'll just show for uh, for those of you listening who are on that um, works in progress track, uh, like myself. Um, one of my favorite things um, every year is uh, Cherry Lane, which we spoke about earlier. Um, does a thing called Cherry Lane Mentor Project, in which uh, playwright young um, and early career playwrights are teamed up with master playwrights, um, and then. They are teamed up with a design team and director and a cast and put on essentially a uh, fast and dirty workshop of works in progress. The three playwrights that they've selected this year are extraordinary, all of them. I'm a huge fan of all three of these plays, uh, and they'll be playing starting in February, um, and then the uh, the first one is going to be uh, The Surgeon and His Daughter. And his daughters by um, Christopher Gabriel Nunez, who, full disclosure, um, is a new member of the Public Theater's Emerging Writers Group, which I run. Um, that will be playing throughout uh, for a couple weeks in February, and then that will be quickly followed by two other plays that I'm a huge, huge fan of: Passover by Antoinette Nwandu and uh, The Convent of Pleasure by Sarah Einspanier. Uh, so, if you're interested in seeing works in progress, if you're interested in seeing more to the point, works in progress up on their feet in front of an audience with design elements included in them. I think that's actually a much more interesting way of looking at a play than just, say, going to a reading with people in chairs and music stands. Um, then this is definitely something I recommend. Tickets are dirt cheap. I think they're like 10 bucks or something like that. Um, and it's going to be happening from now till about April, so um, see one of them, see all three of them. Um, I, I really highly recommend uh, this particular crop of plays at the Cherry Lane Mentor Project. That's great. I'm definitely going to check those out. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll wrap things up. I just want to put a plug in for The Wildness, Sky Pony's Rock mm -hmm. Fairy Tale. Um, if you didn't listen to it, I interviewed Lauren Warsham at length. So beautifully, so beautifully. And she's fantastic. Her band, Sky Pony, is fantastic. The text of the show is by, text and song is by Carl Jero, directed by Sam Buntrock. Um, I noticed on um, Twitter that the Sky Pony folks tweeted out um, that some of the songs from their album are also in this play. Oh. So all of the, like their big hits are in this musical. Yeah. Um, and I am just super excited at any opportunity to get to hear them perform live and sing songs that I really enjoy. Their music is available at all the outlets, um, including um, that green the one? spotify spotify the yeah. green one yeah um so you know uh not that i encourage i mean you know it's not it's not free you have to listen to ads or you have to pay your ten dollars a month but um it's inexpensive so i highly recommend checking out their music and going to see the show i think is going to be fantastic yeah. the tickets are only in the 35 to 40 dollar range but every friday they're doing a late night show at 10 p.m and all of the tickets are only ten dollars that's, what, that's what i'm saying it. for ten dollars is crazy i think the production values here are going to be very high even an average concert by sky pony is fantastic there are projections and costumes and choreography that's right yeah yeah and this has a storyline and an arc 
And I just think this is going to be so, so good. And I don't want people to miss out on it. I checked today. Some of those $10 tickets are still available. So I would highly recommend that you get those tickets soon because once this starts in previews, they're going to get snapped up. Yeah. And I got mine yesterday. So they're still there. Cool. Anyone have anything else they want to add? Uh, there were a couple shows I just want to give people a heads up on because they're good playwrights with famous people in the cast and uh i feel like we would be remiss to not mention them and i'm going to get them mixed up with each other but <laughs> one of them is prodigal son which is at mcc no i'm MTC. sure mtc ah, uh and that is john patrick shanley jp yeah. shans and that's with timothy oliphant no no <laughs> it's with robert sean leonard thank you um <laughs> The other what the hell? <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is in the oh, other place. Got to get some standards around here towards accuracy. Oh my wow. god! I am sending a group email. I have notes for every other <laughs> play that I talked about with ticket prices researched and bios and plot synopses. <laughs> this is just off the cuff. This, this is why. How much can we get right <laughs> off the cuff? So what's the show that Timothy Oliphant's doing? <laughs> I don't know. Deadwood? I don't know. No, he's at the Kathlonagher play at the Atlantic. Oh, he's in that? Yeah. Okay. This cool. is why I thought it was important to mention it. Um, what is it called? The Way We Were? No, something like that. <laughs> Good God, this is can no. We, can we pause and let me look this up? This no, we got to keep this in. America needs to know. We talked about this at the end of last week's episode because yeah, Aaron said called? he was excited for it. Uh, I'm looking at Atlantic. I'm, you know, Atlantic does this thing where they get $20 tickets for like the, well, they used to do the back 20, but now they actually just sprinkle them throughout as, 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 as available. Um, so if I can get $20 tickets to that show, I'd really like to see it. It's called Hold On To Me Darling and it starts February 24th at the Linda Gross Theater. Uh, while we're on the topic of the Atlantic, they also just announced that their final production of the year, which was supposed to be the new David Yazbek Hal Prince musical, The Band's Visit. Uh, has been bumped to the fall and no longer has Hal Prince attached. It's going to be David Cromer instead. Oh, interesting. Um, so lots of questions about that, um, including what are they going to put in its place at the end of this season? Oh, so interesting. Yeah. and They're going to move Skeleton Crew up there. That is certainly one question. Um, although that I don't know how that works for their subscribers who already saw Skeleton Crew and are expecting another show. Maybe they just get like a bonus ticket to... Ben's visit next. I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for more on that. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the MaxMoo podcast. You can find us all on Twitter. MaxMoo is at MaxMoo. David is at It's D. Levy. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. And I'm Lindsay Behrens at Lindsay Behrens. Don't forget to subscribe to the MaxMoo podcast at iTunes and Stitcher. And if you enjoy the show, leave a rating and review. We'll see you next week.